Welcome to Beyond Toast, episode 4, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Welcome to Beyond Toast, the podcast where Toastmasters talk about food and indulge their passions for both, words and eating. And in that vein, I'd like to start with a reading. Puddings by David Lindsay Jam roly-poly, treacle sponge, and sticky toffee pudding head the top of my list. But apple pie, rhubarb crumble, or a decent cheesecake are hard to resist. Banana splits, eclairs or brownies, dumplings, nougat, cheese board or mousse, creme brulee, fruit cocktail, yoghurt, serve it up and set me loose. Rice pudding, Christmas pudding, let me say it loud and clear, summer pudding, eaves pudding, figgy pudding, bring it here. Cottage pudding, diplomat pudding, pancakes served throughout the year, plum pudding, mango pudding, put on a plate and cheer. Hasty pudding, Saxon pudding, vanilla pudding, chocolate pud. Yorkshire puddings filled with treacle make winter evenings warm and good. Sussex pond pudding, sweet biscotti, semolina, if that counts. Panna cotta, profiteroles, gatto, meringues and any amount. I guess spotted dick is a bit of a worry, but to bread and butter pudding I say bring it on. I could plan on a flan or a lardy cake, or butter with glee my scone or scone. Mince pies, cobblers, baklava, strudels, loaves and pastries, all tell a story. Even Blamange has a heritage to match or beat our knickerbocker glory. There's fruit tarts, jam tarts, custard tarts, egg tarts, milk tarts, cheese tarts, butter tarts too. Tarts from Manchester, Liverpool and Bakewell. French tarts, Jamaican tarts, to name but a few. Buns from Chelsea, cakes from Eccles, wafers and muffins from all over the place, donuts filled with jam or chocolate, made to squirt on your shoulder or face. Strawberries and cream, eaten mess, arctic rolls and brandy snaps, trifle should always be trifled with, if laced with sherry, it's a perfect nightcap. Sorbets leave the palate tingling, fritters fritter your cares away, waffles and crepes warm the spirit, and Sundays are perfect for every day. So whatever we may call them, be it puddings, sweets, desserts or afters, they taste better when shared with company, serve with a spoon, a smile and laughter. That feast for the senses ends with a call to action to share these experiences and passions with others. So I'm very pleased that in this episode we have our very first guest. And I can safely say that I've pulled out all the stops for this one, as it's none other than the President of London Public Speakers, Bemi Akajenu. Thank you very much, Mike, for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here today. The pleasure's all mine. It's great to have someone of your reputation to help kick things off in style. Well, thank you. So maybe it might help if I give a little bit of background about myself. So my, my name is Femi Akujenu, and I am at the moment the president of the London Public Speakers. And we are based in London Bridge. So we meet every Monday, um, every Monday at 6.30 p.m. in a pub called Shipwright's Arms. Unfortunately, due to COVID, at the moment we're meeting online, but we're open anytime, online or in person. 
So just a little bit about my background in terms of my professional background. So I'm an accountant, I'm a chartered accountant, ACCA, and I've been working in that industry for probably over 15 years now. I really love working with numbers. And um, I know some people say numbers and words, perhaps accountants are not the best, you know, communicators, but I tell you, we are the best. We love talking to people. We love talking about money. We love talking about figures. So again, why did I join Toastmasters? I actually joined Toastmasters because I wanted to improve my public speaking. Particularly, I think for me, is around connecting with the audience. Audience engagement is very important for me. So along the way, one of the things I have been doing in taking up tips and skills on you know, communicating, but more importantly, thinking about my delivery and also thinking about how I can better connect with my audience. That's an interesting perspective, Bemi. I've worked in sectors where numbers have been at the heart of them and often found that words are very much seen as secondary, but you're saying they can have real power in your role as an accountant. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I think there's something with words, right? I mean, there are ways you can say something. So you can go in and just say, oh, these are the words I'm, I'm presenting today. And then you give the numbers. But, you know, when you when you engage with the audience and you start to use the language they understand, instead of saying, like, as an accountant, normally you say things like favorable, you know, and then your audience is thinking about what do you mean by that? But if you go in there and say opportunity, you're coming from the audience perspective. They get it, don't they? You talk about risk and people can actually relate to what you're saying. And if you can spice it up as well with the power of three. So this, this year has been fantastic. We're doing great. And I think that, you know, we are on the ball. Just bringing those words in to just energize and also make your communication more flurry and beautiful. It, it's, it's absolutely different. That's fantastic. And... On the topic of uh, spicing things up, that would make a seamless segue into our first segment, Food Memories. This segment is an opportunity to dislodge that persistent reminder of a meal from the past or some food stuff from when you were a child that still evokes great emotions today. So Bemi, what food memory have you chosen? Right, so this is quite an interesting one. So it was um, a few years ago and um, one of my friends was visiting from the United States and I'd um, come back home, you know, I live just outside London in Essex I just got back home and then I got a phone call from him and this was around 9.30 p.m. And then he said, oh, I'm in London and I'd like to catch up. So I said, OK, well, um, I live outside London. It'll be lovely to meet you. And he said, oh, have you had dinner yet? And I said, no, I haven't. So he said, why don't you come over to London and let's see what we can find? Of course, I was really you know, looking forward to that. And by the time I got to central London, it happens to be somewhere around Oxford Circus. By the time I got to London, it was quite late and I, I assumed that, you know, most restaurants would be open. So we went to three or four different restaurants and they were all kind of like the kitchen was closing. And then luckily we, so it was in St. Christopher's Place. So if you know London very well, that is just that little corner by when you come up from Oxford Circus and around Bond Street and you walk in there, you know, and there are lots of shops there. And, and there was this small restaurant, it's an Italian restaurant. And to be honest, I can't remember the name. But we just went there and the chef was about to close the kitchen and he said, 
okay, well, I'll do something for you guys. So come on in. And we were the only guests there. It was an Italian restaurant. Um, a friend went for meat. I decided to do the traditional tea. So I went for spaghetti bolognese. And I tell you, it was the most delicious. I don't know what he did, but I really, really enjoyed it. And then to top it off, he gave us this um, bottle of wine. It was the house wine, but it was just a fantastic. I mean, I drank so much that night and it was just a lovely time, you know, and that memory comes to me. Like I said, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but I just remember that experience. It was just a lovely time and really, really enjoyed the food. Um, so that was one of the experiences I think stays with me. You can just hear from the tone of your voice that it's a memory that holds so much passion. You can almost hear you salivating and wanting to be back there in the way that you're describing it. And it's amazing that something as simple as Italian food, something so familiar, can still transport you away to somewhere fantastic. Absolutely. And, you know, it was funny because I was just, for me, it was just like, you know, let's just have something to eat. But the food just takes you away. You can taste it, the spices, the colour. It was just the right texture. Everything just felt really nice. And I just enjoyed it so much, you know. And I tell people about it. It's like, oh, I went to this restaurant. And it's funny because it's a shame I can't remember the name. I don't know if it was a chef, (laughs) but that dinner was amazing. And I think that's very much part of the charm. It's the idea that it's something that's lost. It's something that was once and once only. And because of that, it's always going to have some sort of protective status in your mind. Indeed, even if you were to go back, while the food might be as good, it just wouldn't taste quite as good. And with each subsequent visit, it would get less and less impressive and lose its prominence in your memory. So, thanks for sharing that memory. And now time for another reading. Cooks in the Kitchen by Specs. Seven cooks in the kitchen, making spaghetti, each one hurrying and rushing to ready. My pan of bolognese, succulent simmering, sits on the front right burner, heat shimmering. One chef, diligently tossing a salad, another one turns on a calm Italian ballad. Help, cries a cook, as she comes running in, my Alfredo sauce won't work, it's much too thin. Not to worry, my friend, I console the bereft, my burner is hot, take my place, I move left. Things are a bit more crowded with her, but I happily give my sauce a good stir. Things are running more smoothly now, till another chef bursts in, also having a cow. The spaghetti is cooking, but keeps boiling out, I think long and hard as the chef starts to pout. I'll push my pan back, so you can still see, my sauce will be fine for a minute or three. My time in the kitchen has made me a quick learner, so I smile as I move bolognese to the back burner. Stand and watch through the oven door, I said. To keep a chef from burning his garlic bread, another chef needs melted butter on her dessert. Letting her use the microwave can't hurt. All these chefs doing the work in a blur prevent me from giving my sauce a needed stir. As the minutes pass, five, eight, twelve, sixteen, I begin to understand what the phrase means. Although the situation is very fitting, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't want to let the wind out of their sails, so I take a step back, waiting and biting my nails. Time to dish up, and all chefs leave the area, and I approach my sauce on the verge of hysteria. It's now much too thick, the bottom is black, I've neglected my job while picking up slack. There's no one to blame, I should have learned. If you move to the back burner, your dish will be burned. Other chefs are being praised by our boss, and I am in the kitchen with a pan of bad sauce. 
Fortunately, we only have the two cooks here, but I do feel sorry for him. So, Bemi, could you suggest any comfort food that might take his mind off it? So I'm probably going to cheat and I'm going to have two, one for summer and one for the winter time. I think in summertime, it's got to be hot waffle topped with ice cream. Oh, I really love that. So just get that waffle, put it in the toaster, it pops up pink, and then there's this cold ice cream on top of that. What joy, really absolutely love that. And I think for winter, it's got to be apple crumble with custard. You know, it's got to be custard, nothing else. You know, it's apple crumble and the perfect custard. That just makes my day. You know, that's amazing. I love that. I just want to read a poem um, that I saw. And this poem is um, titled Apple Crumble. I, I don't think it's actually by um, a sort of like well-known poet, but it's one of the ones, there's, there's a website called All Poetry, and you can read poems from different people. And I quite like this one. So it goes, in my mouth, the flavors tumble, melting, rising, drowning, quelling my stomach, used to rumble, the crisp crunch, wet munch of apple crumble. I absolutely agree. You cannot beat a good apple crumble. That rich, thick custard and sort of really crunchy crumble and juicy chunks of apple maybe dusted with brown sugar and cinnamon. So I heartily agree with that choice. But with regards to the waffles, have you ever been to Brussels or Belgium, their spiritual home? I haven't. I think it's something I'd like to try. But I remember, it must have been a few years ago, I was meeting up with one of my colleagues and we went to, it was somewhere around St. Paul's. And, you know, London has got some very little, some very um, interesting places that you never know about because you don't read about them on the, the, the top 10 restaurants or cafes. And, and you just discover them. They're just like discoveries, like secretive places. Anyway, so he, he took me to this Belgian coffee place and I had a hot chocolate. Oh my goodness. It was just amazing. It was just amazing. I was like, wow, why didn't I know about this place? How did you discover this place ever? And I know I'm going to go back there. Absolutely. It was just, it was divine, I would say. You're going to have to tell me where that is because I love hot chocolate. It's one of the, the few sweet treats I still allow myself. I've had some great ones in Italy and Amsterdam and in Germany, this little place by Charlottesburg. It was just you know, rich and creamy and thick, but not in that way that clags up your throat. It just almost refreshing. So yeah, I'd really love to know if somewhere in the UK that uh, does a good hot chocolate. But don't tell me on mic, uh, I don't want it getting crowded. And thanks for both of those comfort foods. I think they tick all the boxes. It's exactly what you need on a, a cold winter's night or certainly in the summer to kind of give you that little boost, that little bit of extra get up and go. And it's time to get up and go to Mike's Eater of the Week. And this week, my chosen food is sourdough bagels. Not because I've been particularly eating them this week, but because they've been a staple throughout the lockdown. And I think that justifies them some celebration. I started making my own bread back when I was doing my PhD as an outlet for my stress, as kneading the bread was incredibly therapeutic. And I've returned to bread making on and off throughout the years. The challenge usually is that the bread is so delicious that I get through a loaf within a day and after a couple of weeks my waistline demands that I look for some other coping mechanism. Anyway, given the 
impending logistical problems that the lockdown was going to cause, I thought if I could simplify lunch and just make it bagels with cheese, then that would be one less thing to worry about. Especially as I already had a sourdough starter lying around from my numerous attempts at doing sourdough loaves. So all I'd really need is flour. And it wasn't like there was going to be a, a run on that, was there? Needless to say, the best laid plans of mice and men gang after glee. No translation this week, I'm afraid. And I've been baking bagels with every flour under the sun, with mixed results. But I can't deny that all that experimentation and practice now means that I can cook quite a mean bagel. And after securing a industrial sack of flour from a raid on a bakery, I now have a steady supply of spicy, chewy, springy, crispy crusted bagels for which to serve my cheese on. And an additional joy is that because the sourdough starter is an organic living creature, that you never entirely know what it's going to be like week to week. Which means that the bagels are always subtly different and never get too boring. And speaking of not wanting to get too boring, we're definitely overdue to get back to our guest and find out about what would be her fantasy meal for four. So, Bemi, it's time for that eternal question. If you could have a meal with any three people of your choice, living or dead, from anywhere around the world, who would they be, where would you go, and what would you eat? Thank you very much. Um, so, my fantasy for, I actually had a, I've been thinking about this. I'm not really, I'm not really crazy about celebrities. So, the three guests would be Jimmy Diamond, Steve Jobs, and Maya Angelou. And of course, myself. Well, I've certainly heard of Steve Jobs and Maya Angelou, but Jimmy Dimon's a new one on me. Could you tell us about him? Jimmy Dimon, somebody I really, really like, and he works in the banking industry. And I know that, you know, yeah, <laughs> different views maybe for different people. He's the um, CEO of JP Morgan. And I really like him because I think I've got his, I like his pragmatic and his practical approach to leadership. I've learned so much about leadership from him. I've not worked with him before. I've not met him in person. But if it was somebody that I think I would like to go to a dinner with or to go for a meal with, it would probably be him. Um, because I like his way, his view of life. And also he, he has been, for me, not directly, but an, you know, a, a mentor, if I can say that without actually meeting him in person. And where would we go? I'll probably want to try Leroy. It's a restaurant in Shodish in London. And I think that one of the things about that place is, for me, is the atmosphere there. I've never been, but I've heard about it. And it's one of those places that I understand that you go and then you want to go again. So one thing about them is that they have different menus depending on what's in season. So I do quite like that idea of, you know, not knowing what you're going to get, you know, getting there and then just being surprised by really good foods, you know, made with, with natural and wholesome ingredient. And I think one of the things as well for me is the fact that they've got organic wines. And so I would like to try that and just see how that turns out. So I think that would be my fantasy for. So you're enjoying your lovely meal with, uh, with Jimmy 
Steve and Maya. But unfortunately, as with any dinner party, there's always a moment where one of the guests does or says something wrong. It's the bad guest moment. And it's usually, particularly in Toastmasters, you know, someone will talk about the three things that you can't talk about. So yeah. that's politics, religion or sex. So what would your choice be? What would you say? I think, so I think I'm going to go through all of them and I'll, I'll tell you what. So for me, I think politics and religion are easiest subjects. And, and the reason is that they're easy, right? It's either somebody believes in politics or does politics or doesn't. And of course, if they do politics, then, you know, they have options of which group or which party they follow. And similarly with religion, you know, it's either you have, you believe in religion or you have a faith or you don't. And if you do, you have options. So we know that there's Christianity, there's Islam, there's Buddhist, I mean, so many religions in the world. So I think for me, it's got to be sex. And the reason is that you never know what you're going to find, you know, and <laughs> particularly in today's world where people are more sort of open and, you know, more self-aware, you know, so you just have to be careful. <laughs> and it's a case of getting, not knowing what to find. And um, so I think that is, that's probably going to be one of the things for me that would be a subject that perhaps I want to avoid. <laughs> well, I mean, see, you, you've given it to yourself fairly clear. You have two options and one to avoid. But unfortunately, as with it, whatever in these discussions, the subject will always turn to something you don't want to. You'll be kicked out of the party, sadly, although you've had your chance to smooth. You'll be out in the street, you'll be cold, and you'll be looking for something to kind of really buck you up. And so it's time to turn to that guilty pleasure. So the guilty pleasure section is where we turn to something that really can't do without. It just enlivens our soul, even though we know it's not doing us any good. So, Bemi, what would be your guilty pleasure? That's a good one. Um, and I think that my, I think my, my, does it have to be food or can it be anything? Food would be better, but again, we're open to all comers. I think, okay, if it's food, then I'm going to say that it's got to be that chocolate. And I don't generally have a sweet tooth, but there I get those moments when I just want to just enjoy and I just get like a, a bar of chocolate and I just treat myself. <laughs> but then to be healthy, I go for the dark one. So yeah, absolutely dark chocolate. Ode to Chocolate by Barbara Crooker. I hate milk chocolate. Don't want clouds of cream diluting the dark night sky. Don't want pralines or raisins rubble in the smooth plateau. I like my coffee black, my beer from Germany, wine from Burgundy. The darker, the better. I like my heroes complicated and brooding. James Dean in oiled leather, leaning on a motorcycle. You know the colour. Oh, chocolate, from the spice bazaars of Africa, hulled in mills, beaten, pressed in bars, the cold slab of a cave's interior when all the stars have gone to sleep. Chocolate strolls up to the microphone and plays jazz at midnight. The low, slow notes of a bass clarinet. Chocolate saunters down the runway, slouches in quaint boutiques. Its style is je ne sais quoi. Chocolate stays up late and gambles, likes roulette. Always bets on the noir. Fantastic, but you've piqued my interest now. So if it didn't have to be food, what would otherwise be your guilty pleasure? 
Oh no! <laughs> um, why don't I tell you that next time we're at um, Toastmasters, maybe that'll be my that might be my um, table topics for the night. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if that isn't a call to come along to one of our meetings, I don't know what is. So, Bowie, thanks for being the first guest on the show. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you. Bye. That's it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any feedback or comments, do let me know at info at beyondtoast.uk or through Twitter at beyond underscore toast underscore UK. We're also reaching out to new audiences and are increasing our visibility on platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Acast. So if you see us there, do stop by and leave us a review. If you have been enjoying the readings, I would encourage you to search out further work by the poets. Links should be available in the show notes. We'll be back next week with another guest. Hopefully we can keep the, the train going. And until then, bye for now. Bye.